This morning, I'm not going to preach from Paul's letter to the church at Rome. We'll get back to that probably next week. I'm just going to preach a standalone message this morning. I want to preach a message to you on parenting. Parenting, being an all-star parent. I'm a parent. Many parents in here, even if you are not a biological parent, you have influence over people's lives, people around you that look to you. So this should apply to everyone here this morning. But I'll say this as I start. When I began my parenting, I had four theories about parenting and no children, and then I had four children and no theories. Anybody relate to that in here? (laughs) There are many models of parenting. Let me just start with a maybe a humorous list here. One author put together several models of parenting and used some descriptive statements about them. Let me just read them to you and as you listen to these, see if any of these characteristics would be true in your own parenting model. First one is the ostrich approach. This is the close your eyes and hope for the best approach. Got to put your head in the sand and trust it all will come out okay. There's the delegator approach. You know, good leadership is good delegation, right? The delegator approach is to use everybody else to raise your kids. Child care, daycare, schools, camps, counselors, scouts, coaches, church. There is the Neiman Marcus approach to parenting. This is the parent that provides the child with every possible thing the child could have and believe that in the abundance of things, the needs of the child are met. There's the warden approach to parenting. This would be a parent that runs the ship like the leader of the Von Trapp family in The Sound of Music. If you've seen that movie, you know what I mean. He's the, he's the military sergeant and everything is done according to rules and details. And then one more, there's the taxicab approach to parenting. This is the parenting approach that says parenting is just simply a transportation problem. Meaning this, parents that use this approach believe that if they line up the calendar full of events and activities, giving the child every opportunity, then they'll be a successful parent, such as sports, music, drama, dance, cooking, woodworking, karate, youth group, and the list goes on. The value is placed on the doing and not the being. Now that's just a list for a little humor. Maybe you saw some characteristics there uh, in your own parenting model or how you were parented. But the good news is that God has a model. God has a plan. 
In fact, God is the perfect heavenly Father. And so we can look to Him, we can look to His Word and see what His Word says about the model for parenting that will be one that truly provides the blessing and the needs for what children should really have. So I'm going to just give you four principles. I'm going to take these, this is certainly not an exhaustive list by any means, uh, but I'm going to take four principles, and I'm going to take them all out of one book, the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. I'm going to show you four principles about parenting that are included in the book of Proverbs. First of all, let me state the first one, and then I'll give you the verse. The first principle I'm going to call authenticity. Authenticity. And here's the byline, kind of the description for that. It is to live the life. Authenticity. To live the life. It says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Let me read that again. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. I have the suspicion that if we struck out in every other area of parenting and hit a home run in this one right here, we would go a long way to being an all-star parent. Here, the principle, we're looking at the principle here that holds the greatest power in our parenting paradigm. The principle of authenticity or living the Christian life according to the way that Scripture portrays that and living that in front of your child. Let me give you another way that we could in layman's terms, word this verse, when we live righteous, our kids will live right. Now there's some qualifiers to that. I understand that it's not a guarantee, but it's a principle. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But it's a principle that holds great sway. That when we live righteous, it's going to impact our kids to live right. And look closely at what it says there. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. I believe what the writer is telling us here is that long after you are gone as a parent, that if you live an authentic life after God, that the rewards, the benefits that that's going to pour into your, the life of your children are going to keep paying dividends long after you are gone as a parent. You see, authenticity in your life, as you live that before, your children is going to prepare the soil of their heart so that they can learn the lessons from you that you so desperately need to pass on to them. Here's another way to say that. As you are moldable before God, your children will be moldable before you. 
As you are in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, your children will be most apt to enter into a growing relationship as well. As you are shaped by God, your children will be shaped by you. An authentic life lived in front of them. Nothing else will replace authenticity. Nothing. Not a Christian education. Now, I'm not shooting down Christian education. I believe in it. I've sent my kids for the past many years to a Christian school. Spent a lot of money doing that. So I'm not against Christian education. But it's not a replacement for the authentic life of the parent, the father and the mother lived before the child. Neither is a positive friend. I believe that it's beneficial for our kids to have positive friends, encouraging friends, friends that are walking the same direction. But I'm telling you that the greatest friend that they need, ultimately the greatest example that they need is that of their father and their mother. Neither is a dynamic church a replacement for an authentic life. And neither is a godly grandparent. Uh, Certainly I am so grateful for my godly grandparents and for my father and mother who are to my children now. But that's not a replacement for an authentic mom and dad living an authentic Christian life before the child. Neither is a load of opportunities a replacement. Neither is an Ivy League education. And the list could go on. What does an authentic Christian life look like lived before your sons or daughters? Well, that list could be long, but let me just give you three or four points. Number one, it's consistency. It's you being the same in private as you are in public. It's you, regardless of circumstances, living that life of integrity that Proverbs mentioned in the verse that we just looked at. So consistency. Number two, transparency. Transparency. Two ideas here about transparency. Number one, admit your mistakes. Yeah, I mean, as a parent, admit your mistakes. One great lesson that I've learned in my own parenting is that when I admit my mistakes to my children, they're very quick to forgive me. Very quick. And it teaches them something about humility when they see that in me. Second thing about transparency is admit your mistakes and share your struggles. Now obviously, apply some discretion here and the age of the child needs to be taken into consideration here. But there's a great influential power in you opening up to your children when they're at the appropriate age about the things that you struggle with. Like for me, opening up to my sons as they have grown older now, the things that I struggle with and 
the weaknesses that I have and how I am tempted and for them to see me take the Word of God and the truth of God's Word and apply them to the areas of my life where I struggle and them to see that development and that growth as I believe is a powerful thing. So, what does an authentic look, life look like? It's consistent and it's transparent. Number three, it's a life of dependency. Life of dependency. Referring to dependency upon God. How are your children going to know that you are dependent upon God? Well, you could tell them that you are and that will have some influence. But if your actions do not line up with your words, they'll know that it's fake. And the way that you show them prove your dependence is going to be your own prayer life and your own seeking after the meat of the Word of God as you are leaning into prayer and the Word of God. It's going to be the proof, unarguable proof that you believe that that's where your strength is. That you are dependent upon God and not on yourself. And then number four, fourth aspect of authenticity that I'll mention is intimacy. Intimacy. Intimacy with God. You see, here's the way it works. As you walk close with Jesus and you walk close with them, what happens between them and Jesus? Let me say that again. As you walk close with Jesus and you walk close with them, what happens is that they, by nature of your intimacy with Jesus and your intimacy with them, you bring them closer to Jesus Christ. Those are just four aspects of an authentic Christian life, a life lived before them in authenticity and its consistency, transparency, dependency on God and intimacy with Christ and them. Here's the second parenting principle I want to pull out from Proverbs. I'm going to call it guidance. Here's the byline, blaze the trail. Guidance, blaze the trail. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, and he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Instruction here for parents. The Hebrew root word here for this phrase, to train up, it describes... The palate in the mouth. Here's what a midwife would do. A Hebrew midwife would do. At childbirth, when the mother had birthed the child, she would rub her hand in a paste made from dates. And then she would rub it on the gums of the newborn to generate in the newborn a thirst for the mother's milk to start the nursing process. A parent 
in like manner is to create in their child a thirst for that which is going to nourish them and meet the needs of their life. I'm not just talking physical, but spiritual. Train up a child really includes two kind of overarching categories. Let me just state them and I'll explain each one. One is, one category is universal truths. And the second one is unique shape. First of all, universal truths. It says, train up a child, quote, in the way. In the way. What is the way? It's God's way. God's way. We're to pass on God's truths to our children because God is the author of life and God has the answers for how life should be lived. See the literal Hebrew phrase here for this statement could be transliterated like this. Initiate the child at the opening of his path. Initiate the child at the opening of his path, meaning this. When that child begins to grow and they begin to walk on their own and they begin to think about things with their own mind, they're actually processing, they're beginning to make decisions at that opening way of their life. As they stand there on the road of life, about to begin to walk it, what you should do as a parent is at that point you should begin to instruct them in the way, in the way giving them the truths and the principles about life that God has set forth in His Word as the truths and principles for life. One author kind of put them in three categories like this. Instructions as to the duties and the dangers and the blessings. The duties and the dangers and the blessings. Give them instructions on how to perform the duties. Give them direction on how to escape the dangers and give them the promises on how to secure the blessings. Let me just give you some bullet points under this area of universal truths or universal training. Just You could add a lot of things here but some things that would be important uh, to me as a parent, believe that they're important to God as our Heavenly Father. Think about these as a parent. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Do your kids understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news? Do they know what is a part of the good news? Folks, there is nothing more important that you can teach them than that. Do your kids have a conviction of biblical authority? Do they really believe that this right here is the very words of God? Not some ancient book that has some cool stories in it, but do they really understand, are you teaching them that this is actually a living 
document. It is alive as the words of God, that it is as relevant today as it ever was, that it is perfect in its teaching and instruction, and it is authoritative in its sway over their life. Number three, the habits of growth. Teach your kids about the habits of development for life, like the disciplines of prayer and Bible reading and worship and service. Number four, as your kids grow, help them to learn to defend their faith. As they commit their lives to Christ, then help them to be able to think through and be prepared for a world that's going to tell them a lot of lies. It's going to, it's going to ridicule, is going to question the veracity of the truth that they stand upon, help them learn to be able to state the truth and defend the truth. Number five, here's an important one. Help them learn to deal with difficulties. You know, life is going to have some hard times. And help them learn to navigate the difficulties, the times when they're treated unfairly, unjustly, and not to react against those, here's the key, but to respond to God. You see, that's a lesson we all need to continually be refreshed in. When things don't go our way, we need to learn in every circumstance not to react to people or circumstances, but to respond to God. And responding to God is this. God knows all about the circumstance. He's bigger than the circumstance. The circumstance is not going to defeat the will of God in your life. So you need to trust God regardless of what comes your way. Trust in the goodness and in the care and in the leading of God. He hasn't abandoned you in this. He's actually going to use this, Romans 8.28, for your good as you walk with Him. Those are just Five different areas where we need to be communicating these universal truths about life. I think that's all included in this. Train up your child in the way. And then secondly is the unique training. You see this statement here really is a unique statement as well. It says, in the way he should go. You see, God has fashioned and shaped each one of your children in a unique way, different than any other children, even any of your other children. And He wants you as a parent to help them walk in that uniqueness. You need to celebrate it, identify it, help fan it into flame, their shape and their giftings. God made them the way that He made them to fulfill a specific plan. Here's what it says in Ephesians. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, He made us unique, specific, 
individuals. And He gave unique, specific good works for us and your children to do as they walk into life and as they begin to learn how God put them together uniquely. It'll help them to go in the way they should go. Now, how do you do that? That's a tough one. Maybe not for some, but for me, that's a tough one. How many of you wish you could have a practice run at parenting? Oh, my word, I wish I had a practice run. I feel like I'm just now starting to understand this aspect right here. I have four kids. They are radically different. Not one better than the other. They're all precious. And they all have been designed by God with a unique set of talents and gifts. One's gift is not better than the other. One's talents and shape is not better than the other. They are unique. They're the way God made them. And so I need to relate to them as their shape has been determined by God. I need the grace of God to do that. I need the help of God to do that. So here's some ways that you can do that. Number one, pray and ask God for wisdom. I mean, about that specifically. God, help me to understand who my daughter is. The uniqueness about her so I can learn to relate to her in a way that makes sense to her because she's not like my other daughter or like my other two sons. It says in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. We need to rely upon a perfect father who wants us to do a good job in our parenting and who knows the shape he has placed in and the giftings he has placed in our children and we need to be in a dependent relationship of prayer saying, God, help me to understand what that is so I can draw that out of them. Help them fan that into flame. Number two, As you pray, look for the talents and the giftings. Try to be observant. It's a key point here for you dads, right? Be attentive. Be observant. Try to understand as you watch them relate to others, as you Watch them gravitate to specific things that they enjoy. As you're praying, be thinking through what you're seeing, asking God to give you insight there. And then number three, dads, listen to moms. That is a big deal right there. That is a big deal. I think, I certainly know it's true in my home. My wife is very adept, much more attuned to that uniqueness than I am. And I need to be in partnership with her in understanding what that is. Open dialogue using not only the insight God's given me, but the insight He's given me through my wife related to my children. And what that passage says As parents train up their children in the way they should go, it says that he will not turn from it. Now let me just identify what that is there. It's a principle, not a promise. This is not abdicating 
uh, a child's will here. It's not saying that you can force a child into living a certain way, but it's saying that the general principle is true, that if you will do this, the general result is that they will do this. So you can trust in the principle and see it activated. So what we've looked at so far is authenticity. Live the life. Number two, guidance, blaze the trail. Here's number three, authority. Authority. Draw, here's the byline, draw and keep the lines. Draw and keep the lines. I think we particularly need to hear this as Americans, as evangelical Americans. Authority, draw and keep the lines. A little bit of humor here, but a sad commentary. This is a list developed by the Houston Police Department. They put a list together with the heading like this, 10 rules for raising juvenile delinquent children. 10 ways Houston Police Department, who saw a lot of juvenile delinquents, put a list out, publicized it, and said, here is 10 sure ways that you can raise a juvenile delinquent child. Number one, begin with infancy to give the child everything he wants. In this way, he'll grow up to believe that the world owes him. Number two, when he picks up bad words, laugh at him. This will make him think that he's cute. Number three, never give him any spiritual training. When he's 21, he can decide for himself. Number four, never give him any... Number four, avoid the use of the word wrong. It might give him or her a guilt complex. Number five, pick up everything they leave laying around. Number six, let them read any printed material they can get their hands on. Number seven, quarrel frequently in the presence of your children. In this way, they won't be shocked when the home is broken up later. Number eight, give a child all the spending money they want. Never let them earn their own way. Number nine, Take his or her part against neighbors and teachers and policemen. They're all prejudiced against your child anyway. And number 10, when he or she gets into trouble, apologize for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with that child anyway. Now that's a facetious but a sad commentary on what authorities were seeing as the willing, willful demise of children by a lack of parenting. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Let me read that again. Whoever spares the rod hates 
his son. Well, that's a strong statement. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline. Authority. Draw the lines and keep the lines. The Hebrew word for rod here is a symbol for authority. It doesn't just mean an implement to discipline with. It is intended to convey the idea of authority. And the way that fleshes itself out is that consistency equals conformity. How do you conform a child to the way they should go? Be consistent with the lines that you have drawn. And when the line is crossed, let there be a result to that line being crossed. Proverbs 19.18 Discipline your son for there is hope. There's hope in the discipline. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. You know, people who are usually against discipline say that it's because they love their child that they do not discipline them. But the principle of wisdom from the perfect father communicated right here is this, that wisdom says, if you love, you will discipline. If you do not discipline, you're a willing party to their demise. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom He loves as a father, the son in whom He delights. Our perfect heavenly Father disciplines us in love. So we've looked at authenticity, live the life, guidance, blaze the trail, authority, draw and keep the lines, and then finally, priority, and the byline is prize the heart, prize the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Who is the father that every father should aspire to be like? Who is it? It's God the Father. It's God the Father. And what is it that God is most concerned about as he looks at us, his children? 1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the what? Looks on the heart. You see, I believe that what God would have us to focus on in parenting is the development of the heart of our children. I'm not saying that the external things aren't important, but they're nothing compared to the heart. Should the focus be the grades? Not above the heart. Not above the heart. 
You see, when the heart's right, it is a wellspring. The stuff of life flow from it. You, you force by dictatorship, external alignment to your rules, regulations, but if the heart's not right, as soon as they're outside of your care, there is not going to be the production of those good things. The heart's going to begin to flow and produce what's in it. So make it your focal point to produce a heart that itself is authentic before God, passionate about God, committed to His truth. You see, you know, you've seen bumper stickers, right? My kid gets better grades than your kid, or whatever the bumper stickers are, right? Have you seen them? I propose a new line of bumper stickers. My child has turned the cheek more than yours has. My child has befriended more outcasts at school than yours has. My child has honored his father and mother more than yours has. My child has shared Jesus Christ with more of his friends than yours has. Now I'm being facetious here. Shouldn't be a competitive thing between my child and your child at all. The point I'm making at is what do you prioritize in the life of your child? What is that thing that you hold as the highest? What is it that you are ultimately trying to see accomplished? Do you want them to really excel in their grades? Do you want them to learn a great trade so they can make a lot of money? Do you want them to be intellectually smart? Those are good things. But ultimately, do you want them to have a heart that is dependent upon God, pliable before Him, in love with Him, seeking a growing relationship with Him as they live out an authentic Christian life. See, the heart is the centerpiece. Prize that above all. Let me just, why don't you stand, let me just pray a prayer over all of us toward this end. Father, I thank You that You are a perfect heavenly Father. And that you... that you are so committed to developing and growing us. Matter of fact, it says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you for that promise. For every one of your sons or daughters. God, I know I need as a dad, I, I needed to preach this message to myself. I need to revisit principles of parenting. Just aware of my deficiency in so many of these, and I am asking you to help me as my perfect father to be a better father to my two sons and my two daughters. Praying that for the parents in this church that we would 
value what you value, that we would look at our kids with eyes from above and we would take seriously our stewardship over their lives. And we would work like everything depended upon us, but pray like everything depended upon you as we seek to lead them, love them, shape them. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.